This is one of those times, and there are many times like this, when I wish we had the technology, not here, but just in general, maybe there is something like that, that has, you know, that could detect brain waves. And then whenever I said the word fear, whatever you think of, whatever, whatever concept, whatever word, whatever name comes into your mind, when I say that, we just flash it up here on the screen. It'd just be really cool. I say, well, fear. And like, oh, here's, here's what they're thinking. Here's what they're thinking. I mean, it might be a little invasive, but I mean, it would be just, you know, whatever you need to do for a good message, right? Um, anyway, it was just one of those things where we all think of different things about fear. And, uh, you know, the, the, the reason that would be a f- kind of a fun exercise, if possible, was because some things would flash up there and some people would be going, what? You're afraid of that? And other things would flash up and you'd be like, I can relate, you know? So I don't know what it is that you're fearful of, but I know fear can be a, a debilitating thing at times. Writer Edgar Wallace, uh, English writer, wrote a short story, by the way, named uh, King Kong, which they made into one of the most boring three-hour movies that I've seen in a long, long time. But um, So don't, don't run it. Uh, anyway, he wrote that as a short story. But he, he said this, and this is great, fear is a tyrant and a despot, more terrible than the rack, more potent than the snake. He's just so descriptive, especially, you know, some of those English writers. I love the way they can pack so much punch into one, one line like that. Fear works in politics, doesn't it? We had two candidates run on fear. One was running on the basis of being fearful of, of more terrorist attacks and uh, stay, staying safe. The other was running on fear of the other guy, <laughs> basically. Um, one was more eloquent than the other, and we know what happened. But, um, but it, every politician, every presidential debate that I've ever seen. Somebody is, is, you know, trying to get either candidate. They're both trying to get the people to be afraid of something, and they're going to solve it, of course. Of course, in my lifetime, nobody has yet, but hey, maybe it's going to happen one of these days. Um, we're going to talk more about that when we talk about greater than the government. And by the way, greater than government, don't, one of my, I don't know, one of my lefty friends or righty friends, I can't remember which, um, said something like, oh, I'm going to have to, you know, kind of, you know, Grit my teeth through that one. No, it's not going to be political, okay? So just let me, let me uh, uh, kind of salve your, your fears on that one, okay? Um, but fear is, is really a hot theme. It, it's, it's a hot theme. Here's what I, here's what I didn't do. This my, I, have a, I have a research assistant now, and, uh, and she's really great. And she's just a volunteer. I said, hey, if you ever need somebody to help you with stuff, and, and she's great with... Um, with, you know, internet stuff. That's where I end up spending a lot of time sometimes and great with search engines. And I can, you know, I can Google stuff, but when it gets down to the fine-tuned stuff, I'm not always that great. And she found this for me, and it was really good. It's all the, it's from like a Psychology 101 website or something. And it's the great fears, the, the, the five biggest fears, and there's not in any particular order. So I, I was a little surprised by some of them. Some of them, in, you know, heights, that's not going to be a uh, uncommon uh, a lot of folks are afraid of heights. It's not uncommon at all. Um, claustrophobia, closed spaces. The, the one surprising thing to me about that was under closed spaces, they included that people are fearful of tunnels and bridges. And I'm like, I don't, I don't you know, I don't get that. I mean, how do you go anywhere around here? You got t- tunnels and bridges everywhere. Would you shut your eyes? Anyway, um, anyway, that was part of that. Closed spaces. Uh, another one was crowds, similar to being in crowded public transportation. A lot of folks were afraid of crowds, and that's, that was a little surprising to me. Um, another one, this one surprised me a little bit. So we got heights, closed spaces, crowds. I didn't see germs, by the way. 
And that's one that I thought would be it because that's one of mine. You know, I'm a kind of a germaphobe. And uh, I didn't see it. It wasn't in there that much. So anyway, um, this one surprised me a little bit. I mean, a real fear, they said, was, were bugs, lice, excuse me, mice, bugs, mice, snakes, and bats all together. <laughs> Ringing your bell down here. Huh? All right. Um, they're unpredictable. They're creepy, crawly, and they're possibly poisonous. So there you go. I don't know. The one that surprised me even more than that was the speaking in public. I'm like, come on, how hard is it? I mean, you know. Um, it says, we feel like we're being judged. <laughs> well, you will be. Uh, welcome to my life, you know. Um, <laughs> we worry what we look like and sound like. And some of us have anxiety attacks. And, and you do. And I, over the years, I've had people judge my pants not being ironed to, to other things, so... You know, you, you do what you can do. But anyway, that was a big fear. Uh, maybe yours wasn't on. Well, you know, somebody told me after the early service, um, one of their big fears was, was failure. Fear of failure. I bet you we got a lot of type A's in here like that. You're, you're afraid to fail. And um, that's a genuine, real fear. Maybe it's retirement or the inability to retire now, possibly. Or maybe it's your job or the lack of one that's causing you great fear. You know, um, there's just, you, you can, you know, what do you do with it, though? I'm, well, there's so many things, and I, I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's so many things that we can be fearful of. Um, you know, what do we do with it? Just grit our teeth and say, we're just going to charge anyway? Are we going to do it? Are we going to do what my, my favorite all-time greatest actor in the whole world ever did or said? John Wayne, quote, okay? Greatest actor ever. <laughs> Except those who go to Renaissance, of course. Um, and one of them told me afterwards, he said, Rich, he's not a good actor. I said, I think he's great. Anyway, John Wayne said this. I love this. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Got a great quote. I mean, that just epitomizes that. Well, I love that. Is that what we do? We just saddle up and right into the teeth of that fear, whatever it is, just going to, you know, grit our teeth and, you know, whatever we do, bite our lip and just, okay, I'm going to go. Is that, was that, is that how it, I mean, you can do that, and sometimes you need to do that. But is that really going to be the cure? Um, here's where I want to go with this, and I want you to see this. If it's going to be a, a, something that's really going to help me get a hold of this thing of fear and, and really get some, get some, get to conquer it, at least for the most part, if I'm going to really get it conquered, it's going to have to be something much deeper. And I'll tell you what it is. It's going to, it's going to be the need for you and me to understand the character of God. Because understanding the character of God will conquer our fears. Understanding who He is, understanding the nature of God, will calm the fears of our times. And we need to stop and just, just rest on that for a moment. I want to take, I am going to at some, at some point in, in the life of Renaissance, I'm going to do a series on the attributes of God. Today I'm just going to give you five very quick of God's attributes, characteristics. And um, just to kind of get you thinking along this way, because I believe this is really the cure. This is really going to help you. I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to go away. It doesn't mean you won't have any weakness in that area. But it's going to really give you some, some, some breathing ability. Be able to breathe and be free and, and, and all the things that go along with that. So here we go. The first one is wisdom. God is wise. God is all wise. Commentator says, wisdom is the ability to... This is really good. Not my words. Wisdom is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve these ends by the most perfect means. In other words, wisdom is the ability to get to where you need to go and do so the most perfect way. God can do that because he's all wise. And God, in other words, God makes no mistakes. 
Um, let me give you one verse. There's, there's a lot of verses. I'm going to give you one verse. Romans chapter 11 says this. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. That's a great verse just for life in general. It's impossible for us to know his, his decisions and his ways. But God is wise. He has a way of taking things broken and unbroken and working them all together. It's the wisdom of God. First thing. You've got to hit that one. Next one. Omniscience. Or as we used to like to say, omniscience. Um, God possesses perfect knowledge and therefore he has no need to learn. God has never learned and he cannot learn because he's always known. He's eternal. And he's always known everything. And great concept. Okay? And you've got, you got to really grab hold of that. One of the things about God being omniscient is, and this, this, I remember the first time I heard this, uh, and I was, in, I was in theology class, actually, um, years ago. And, um, but I remember it like it was yesterday, because I remember the professor saying, God even knows the what-ifs of life. What if I had married him instead of him, or her instead of, you know, what if I had, what if I had taken that position instead of that position? What if I had gone to this school instead of that school? What if I had done this? What if I hadn't done this? What if I hadn't done this? God knows the what ifs. Let me show you a verse. This is just, I just think it's kind of cool. Um, this, is Matthew, this is Jesus talking in Matthew, and he's going to get into some heavy duty stuff here, so just kind of ignore what he's, what he, the whole, the context, don't ignore the context, but he's talking to, he's basically talking about two towns, okay? Two areas of that particular area where in the Holy Land there. In verse 21, he says, what, this is Jesus, what sorrow awaits you? And he mentions those two towns, Chorazin and Bethsaida. What sorrow awaits you? For if the miracles that I did in you had been done in, in the wicked Tyre and Sidon, um, their people would have repented of their sins long ago, clothing themselves in burlap, throwing ashes on their heads to show their remorse. I tell you, Tyre and, and uh, uh, Sidon will be better off on Judgment Day than you. See, don't get into all the judgment stuff right now. It's for a different time. But what I want you to see is Jesus is saying, if this had happened over here instead of here, this would have happened. What, what that means to me, and what the, the reason I think it's really a cool concept is God knows the what-ifs. And sometimes you're struggling with something and say, well, what if I hadn't done this or if I had done, what if? Well, God knows that, but the, but the point is, you just stop and you just say, you know what, God, you do know that, but this is what did happen. Now, I'm going to trust your wisdom and, and, and uh, your omniscience and some other things I'm going to show you in just a moment to deal with that in a way that's going to be helpful. I just think it's a cool concept. Right? Wisdom, omniscience, omnipresence. Omnipresence. He's, he's, he's everywhere. God's everywhere. What have you thought about this? This is one of, this is really, this is heavy-duty theology. This is Theology 101, but I love talking about it because I love theology. And uh, my degree's in theology. Gee, who would thunk it? Um, but this is one of my favorite psalms. I know I say that a lot, but this is one of my, I have a lot of favorite psalms. And it's going to show you God's omnipresence. This is, this is, this will make a difference in how you live. Watch. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Wow. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. Every time I read that, I always think, so why don't you stop me sometimes, Lord, you know? <laughs> I, every, I do. Every time I, I just think that. It's just one of those things. Um, and, and, and he goes on. Um, 
you know what I'm going to say before I say it? You go before me, you, go, you follow me, you place your hand of, of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. You can never be away from, you can never be away from where God is. Even when you think nobody's watching, God is there. Even when you think you're totally alone, God is there. It's a great song. I, you know, I, some people think I'm kind of weird, but I think of these, all these songs from these great Broadway musicals because I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a huge, just a huge fan. My, my second life, I'm going to produce a Broadway musical and lose millions of dollars. But anyway, um, there's a great song in uh, Carousel. And I, I always thought it was about God, but it's not. It's about a father singing to his daughter. But, but I, so I just, I just, I don't care. I just, I just twist the context and make it about God. You'll never walk alone. Remember that song? It's a great song. You'll never walk alone. You know, when you walk. Anyway, it's true. So we'll take it out of context of the play and just say, you'll never walk alone. You never walk alone. You don't. God's always there, wherever you go. And you say, that's heavy-duty theology. That's heavy-duty theology. But you know what? Heavy-duty theology affects how you live. Because when you're aware of the fact, you know what? God's right here with me. It changes how you respond to people sometimes. Last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, I, I got on a train to go into the city. I had a wedding to officiate, and, uh, which, which is always just a, you know, a great honor. And, and um, with the Harvard Club. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a tux. I'm minding my own business. I'm not bothering anybody. I got my iPhone going. I'm listening to a book. I'm, I'm also going over the ceremony a little bit, trying to, you know, figure out where everything's going to go. And, and, you know... If you've been here before, maybe you've heard this story when I've talked about the fact that one time that I was on a train and there was this dirty baby and they put it right there beside me and this whole thing. Sure enough, here I am, minding my own business, trying to be a man of God and all the other kind of things that go along with that. And sure enough, there's people all right here and put the baby, right, a two, three-year-old, right in front of me. And one of those seats, they were right, I mean, it was like I was, okay. And I tried to move, oh, no, 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 you can't, you know, and there was no place else to go, I guess. Anyway, I'm just thinking, oh, gosh, how am I going to respond to this, you know? By the way, I'm, I'm, I was warned after the first service, I shouldn't say dirty baby. That's just, I shouldn't say that. But there's no other way to describe it sometime. And she wasn't a baby, but she was a very undisciplined little two-year-old, okay? So I, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to respond to this? You know, here I am trying to do God's work. and So, you know what? I did real well with it. I just smiled and tried to talk to her and so forth. And you know what, you know what, the, you know what the tipping point was? And obviously this was on my mind because I, I knew I was going to be I was going to be, uh, that, this passage was on my mind, and I just thought, you know what, God's right here with me. He's right here with me. He's watching what I do and how I respond, you know. Unfortunately, he knows what's going on in my mind right now, but that's something, that's a different deal. So, and it, but it does affect how you live. By the way, those of you who are on the train all the time, I, I, somebody told me after the early service the cure for that. That is when you see somebody with, you know, some little kid or something, you're afraid they're going to sit with you, you just say, hey, come over here and sit beside me. Come over here and sit beside me. <laughs> Hey, might work. <laughs> anyway, uh, don't do that. Uh, some guy told me that. He really did. Told me that this morning. Um, anyway, back to the point. Omnipresence. When we recognize that God is with us wherever we are, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It changes how we act. It can change. And, and, yeah, and it also is going to make a difference with those things that we call the fears of life. Do you realize that the phrase, I am with you always, is in the Bible 22 times? 
I am with you always. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Fourth thing, omnipotence. He's all-powerful. One verse I would use. There's a bunch I could use. I'm just going to use one right now. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Jeremiah uh, 32. Nothing is too hard. God is all-powerful. God created the world. However you want to interpret it, however you want to, whether what you believe, whether you believe in theistic evolution or intelligent design or uh, full-blown creation, whatever you believe, God did it. We can't argue about that. I mean, you can argue with it, but you'd be stupid to. Um, God did it. You know, however you want to, whatever your theory, he did it. And if he can do that, my goodness, what was your problem again? What was your fear again? You see, that's, how, that's why it relates. Understanding God's character just has a way of conquering, helping us conquer our fears. Last one is love. And you know I'm going to, I've, I've got to deal with that particular characteristic or attribute of God because God is love. Let me show you if, you, if you've never seen that in the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love, there it is. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's love. One commentator put it like this. I love this way he said this. This means that God holds the well-being of others as his primary concern. That's what love is. Holding the well-being of others as your primary concern. Hopefully your wife or husband, and hopefully maybe some close friends, hold your well-being as one of their primary concerns. Your, your um, what, you know, whatever that well-being, whether that's physical or whether that's, whether that's you know, just mental health, physical health, the whole thing. That's love. I just love that thought. And, and that's God's love is, is, not an, is not an emotion. It's actually a verb. The word's a verb in, in the original. God's love is, is, a ver- is, is, is not as much of emotion as, as it's action. And he displays it to us over and over and over again. God loves us that much and in that way. Let me show you something. So they go through those, those five things very quickly, okay? Very simple. God's wisdom, God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, his omnipotence, and his love, okay? Hold on to that thought for a moment. Hold on to that thought for a moment because let me take you to Matthew now. Jesus' words again. Watch this. Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Now listen, if you ever had any questions about what does God know about my daily stuff, what does he care about my daily walk, my daily life, this is a great verse for you because he makes it very clear. The very hairs on your head are numbered. I, have a, I know I'm a little bit of a whack job on some of this stuff. And, and, and one of those things that, 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 that I think of, I, I promise you, almost every time, if not every time, it's just become a thing. Whenever I have a haircut, I'm blessed. I have a lot of hair and it grows fast and it's very thick. I'm sorry. I, I, every, service, every service, some guy who's follically challenged wants to talk to me about it afterwards. And I apologize to you in advance, okay? And I'm sorry that I have good hair and you don't. But hey, you know, I'm sure you have other good stuff that I don't have. So there you go. 
But, but get back to my illustration now that we've got all the disclaimers out. Every time I get a haircut, which is about once a month, and then they just take, you know, she always takes a lot of stuff out of there. I look, I, I look at that, that, all that nasty hair. Well, it's not nasty. My hair's clean. But I mean, I look at all that hair, and I think, you know what? God, I'm serious. God knows every, how, many, how, many, how many hairs are right there. He knows every one of them. I mean, think about that. You say, you are really weird. I, I'm t- I tell you, I, this, is, this is weird. I realize it, but it's just kind of cool. He knows exactly how many hairs are there, and he knows exactly how many are left about me and about you and every one of us. Now just grab, just grab that concept for a minute. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I think it's, other than, you know, other than me being weird and wacky, I mean, that's a cool thing to think about. God knows that much about these details in my life, and he cares. So, understanding that, and understanding he's, he has wisdom, and he's, he's omnipresent, and he's omniscient, and he's, he's omnipotent, and he's, and he's love, understanding that, and he, and he knows how many hairs are in your head or are not, Tell me again what your fear is and why you can't trust God with that. Doesn't mean it will go away totally, but it will give you some ability to rise above it and to get over it. Maybe not over it for good. Might always be an issue with you. That's the way it is sometimes with us. But God gives us, when we understand his character, it just gives us an ability to conquer those fears of life. I've said, I've said, I'm saying this all the time. I may have said it up here before. I don't know because I'm saying it all the time. I can't remember every place I've said it. But, but one of the things that we're going through, one of, the, one of the blessings that we're going through right now, one of the great things coming out of what's going on in, in our, as the world goes to, down the toilet, at least the economy, um, one of the things that's coming out of it is every, if not every day, almost every day somebody says to me, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if we have time, and if I have the, if it's the right setting, my answer is, hey, dirtball. The truth is, you, don't know, you, you didn't know what was going to happen to you the next day when the Dow was at 14. You just felt better about it. You know, we've never really known what's going to happen tomorrow. We have been living through the last six months. We are more aware than ever. You know what? I really don't know what the heck is going to happen tomorrow. No, you don't. And you never will. And when the Dow goes, if the Dow goes to 20 or whatever it goes to one of these years, you still won't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's the one concept we need to get our arms around and really think about. That's why we need to trust God. And that's why Jesus came, to give us the ability to have a relationship with him. That's the, that's the, that's the important issues here, that we've got to really stop and get our, get our brains wrapped around that. Understanding the character of God gives us an ability to conquer the fears of life. And the more I learn, the more I understand about God, the easier it is to breathe. The easier it is to pull out my iPhone and see what the stocks are doing and go, oh my gosh, and just say, oh, Lord, I'm yours. You know? And you, you have the ability to create the world with one swip of your arm. I think I'm going to be okay. I'll show you one last quote. Get you out of here. Um, my favorite senator. You've heard me quote my favorite senator before. If you're new here, your, your antennae are going up, and you're saying, oh, gosh, here we go. He's going to get political. He's going to quote, he's going to quote Dianne Feinstein or something, right? Um, probably not. Um, or some right-wing nut job. No, I'm not going to do that. I, 
I've, I've used this quote before, but I've, I've got a better context of the whole thing. And so it's, if you may have heard part of this, but you're not here, you haven't heard it quite like this, I did some other research on it and found a better, a better uh, the whole thing and was able to get more of the context. So here he is, my favorite senator, Seneca. Senator Seneca from the Roman Empire. He was a philosopher, a dramatist, and a senator uh, around six, circa 60 A.D. Um, listen to this. To see a man fearless, fearless in dangers, untainted with lust, happy in adversity, composed in tumult, and laughing at all, the th- laughing at all those things which are generally either coveted or feared, all men must acknowledge that this can, this can be from nothing else but a beam of divinity that influences a mortal body. I love that. A beam of divinity. I would probably say it's more than just a beam of, 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 of divinity. It's, it's God. How are you doing with that? Are you one of those men or women? Fearless in danger. Untainted with lust. Happy in adversity. Composed in tumult. Laughing at those things which are generally either coveted or feared. God can give us that ability as we have a deeper understanding of who he is. That's why we need to read the Bible. Parts that talk about God. That's why we need to pray. Ask God to help us. Will our fears be gone? There'll always be some fears there. But we will have a unique ability to overcome and conquer some of these things that could Conquer us if we aren't careful. Understanding the character of God gives us the ability to conquer our fears. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so grateful that we can stop for what is literally a few minutes out of our week and think and pray to think about how great you are and how much you love us. Because the truth is, God, you love us more than we can possibly comprehend. And you give us grace and you give us forgiveness far more than we ever can comprehend or deserve. But we thank you, Lord God, that you, you're who you are and we're able, because Jesus came and lived and suffered and died and rose again, gave us the ability now to have a relationship with you and being able to understand how big you really are and how that can change how we live our lives and certainly can change how we deal with the fears and insecurities of life. We thank you for that, and we thank you for this time that we've had just to think about it. And uh, we especially pray that it would be a thought and and a truth that would sink into our inner consciousness. And that we wouldn't forget it. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.